Good morning, church. Isn't that nice? I mean, just to be able to hear somebody. I, I've watched the, uh, the sermons online and I've done some other things, and it just ain't the same, is it? Not, not even close. It's tough to love the Lord your God and then love people without being very close to them. <laughs> it's just hard. This has been a very difficult time in, in our country's history. And uh, the, as we move forward, we'll be able to look back on this and, and understand why some things are happening and some things that it would uh, change for the better, God willing. But it's difficult when you're going through it. Same thing with life. Individually, we're going through different things. And when we get to that part where we can look back on it, we see, okay, God, you were working in this. And I've learned this. I found this and whatever. And I'm sure that, uh, that as a country, we will see some of the same things. You realize that last night, uh, July 4th, I had some neighbors shooting off some fireworks in that. Did you have any neighbors like that that kept you awake? Okay. You were that neighbor, weren't you? That's the deal. All right. Um, but 80% of our nation's fireworks did not happen last night. Only 20% of what was last year. That's different, isn't it? It's just a different time in our country. With the COVID-19 going on, with the racial stress and things that are happening, it's just a time that we need to pray for our country. It's tough to celebrate something when you're going through a hard time. And the only thing that really hits home for me is I remember when my mom and dad's 25th anniversary was coming up. And I'm one of six boys, and we were planning on their 25th. Oh, how do we celebrate this? The problem was they were having difficulties in their marriage, and they ended up divorced after 27 years. So for those of you who are married, be careful that 27th year, okay? That's, that's the one you've got to be careful of. But it was difficult to celebrate 25 because of the difficulties. I think as a nation, it's somewhat the same way. Difficult to celebrate even the good that's happening in our country when difficult times are here. So I'd like to pray for us as a church and as a nation as well. So let's bow together and do that. Father, I thank you that we are here in this country as believers. Because the foundation of any nation that is going to exist is the foundation of righteousness which comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we have given our life. That's us. So, Father, help us to realize our very important position in this country. I pray, Father, that this country would come to repentance, come to holiness, come to righteousness, understand that it is not our own goodness, it's not our own effort, it's you. And we just need to turn our face back to you. So bless us in those ways, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this morning, because things are a bit different, I've got a passage of Scripture that's a little bit different than you might have expected on a July 5th Sunday. But that's okay. And since we actually have real people here, I'll tell you what, you're a whole lot better looking than that video thing I was looking at several weeks ago. Okay. And, and I expect some response as well. Now, I've told you before in a, in a sermon past that uh, looking at my heritage, uh, my dad was 100% Norwegian, my mom was 100% hillbilly, and I'm a Norwegian hillbilly, okay? And, and I'm proud of it. 
proud of it. Proud of those people from Virginia and proud of that heritage that's there in Norway. But I want you to think about your heritage for a second, okay? What country, what nationality would you claim? All right, just think about it. And it might be that it's 50% like mine. It might be that it's only 20%, but that's the part you're proud of. All right? And when I say three, one, two, three, I, I want you then to tell me what is your heritage. Okay? Ready? One, two, three. Ah, come on. Do better than that. One, two, three. Uh-huh. And you need to be proud of it, right? To a degree, we're all proud of where we came from and the people that brought us to this point. We all are that way. And we should be. I've been in a number of different countries. I've had that privilege to be, not just in Canada and Mexico and several mission trips, but also in Jamaica, Dominican Republic, and Denmark, and Austria, and, and Israel several times. And, and you know what I've found in every country? The people who live in that country are proud of their country. They are. Now, their country may not be the greatest and the best, but I kind of liken it to our families. I'm proud of my family. And for the most part, I'm only going to tell you the good stuff about my family. Now, I will tell you some hard things once in a while if I think it might help. But for the most part, family secrets are to be kept secret. They're to be kept in the home where we can work on them, not for display out in the public, okay? So I believe every country, every person has some of that justifiable pride because that's not just your heritage, but it's also your investment. It's your time. It's your effort. It's who you are. And so for this time in, in our country, I think it's very appropriate to speak to that. Uh, I was here several Saturdays ago when we had a time of prayer. I don't know how many of you were here for that, but I very much appreciated that time of prayer. There were probably 50, 60 of us that gathered out on the parking lot, socially distanced, but we prayed for our country. We prayed for the racial tensions that were going on. And I appreciated Alice and Andre and Scott and Parfait and those who spoke and prayed. But one word that I, I heard come up a couple of different times was that word identity. And the fact that our identity, first and foremost, must be in Jesus Christ. Amen? Our unity is based on our identity in Christ. If we're trying to look for unity in any other thing, it's going to be impossible. But if we can go back to the creator, if we can go back to the source, and we find our identity in him, then we realize unity. And I thought that just came through to me loud and clear. Let me ask you, the word of God is just precious to me. I hope that it is as well to you. Is the word of God for old people only? Is it for the young or for both? Yeah, for both, okay. Is it for Americans or for Jamaicans or for what other country? It's for both, right? 
Is the word of God for the black or for the white? Is it, or both? Is it for yesterday or tomorrow? Both. It's good for all times. The idea is that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, they'll never pass away. And so no matter what we're going through, it's going to be practical. It's going to be worth reading. It's going to be worth living our lives by. It is. And for this morning, what I wanted to do is bring you to a chapter in Romans. It's chapter 13. If you would, you got your Bibles there, whether it's on your phone or whatever. Uh, Chapter 13 of Romans is what I'm going to be going to. And I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Now, when we get there, we have to realize and just kind of backtrack for a little bit. Verses or chapters 1 through 6 tell about our salvation in Christ. Not by your good works. Not because you were born a citizen of or anything else. It's because of Jesus Christ, our faith in him. And then chapter 6 kind of concludes it and says, Remember, your identity changed when you were buried with Christ. You buried all that stuff. Sins washed away. You come up a brand new person. And now your identity is completely different. Chapters 7 and 8. Okay, well, how am I going to do this thing? You have a newness because the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. That's the idea. You're not just supposed to try harder. You're not just supposed to get rid of some bad habits. That's not it. But it's because you now have God living inside of you, indwelling you. And he says it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's chapters 7 and 8. Now, when we get to chapter 9 and through the rest of the book of Romans, he just kind of takes that in a practical way, and he says, well, this is how you do it here. This is how you do it here. This is how you do it in this part of your life. And when he gets to chapter 13, he goes to the government. And he says, as a believer in Jesus Christ, this is how you do it. And so I thought that might be very appropriate for today. Look at verse 1, chapter 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And I need to pause here and just remind you what kind of a government and authority they had. Paul is writing this in a time in which the Roman Empire has conquered the vast countries around them. They had slaves in the country. Women's rights were nil. They were like property. A man could sue for divorce, but a woman could not. And on and on and on, we realize that when he is speaking this, he's speaking this in a country that that isn't in the best of shape. Not with godly morals and values and those kind of things. But he still says that God has established it. Look at verse 2. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is right. And you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword 
for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes for the authorities or God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then pay revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And these verses of Scripture will play out in America and in Jamaica and in Dominican and in Rome and every country around the world. You realize there are 193 different countries recognized by the United Nations right now. Two who have applied for membership. But 193 different countries with different styles of government. But these verses of scripture are spoken to every believer who is in every one of those countries. Now, the main thing that he's saying is found in verse 5. He says in verse 5, we must submit to the governed authorities. We must. Why? Six times he tells us why in six verses. Look at it. Verse 1. God has established the governing authorities. He does it twice. God has established the governing authorities. Verse 2, God instituted the authorities. Verse 4, the one in authority is God's servant. Again, verse 4, the one in authority is God's servant. And then in verse 6, the one in authority is God's servant. Six times in six verses, God says, I have established these governments. And we need to, as believers, understand that no government is going to be perfect. But God has us here for a purpose and a reason. And that is that those who are in this country that we love as well as they, they will see us approach it in a different fashion than what the normal person would. What is the purpose of government? It's so that we can live in an orderly society. I looked up these 193 governments, and some say, well, there's five different basic forms of government. Another one said there are 20 different forms of government. I would submit that maybe there are 193 different forms of government that kind of have taken it in a different position, different place, and a nuance here and a change there and all that kind of a thing. But they all provide order for their country. That's the idea. I need to share this with you. Before I came to Sunbury, I was there for 20 years as their preacher. And before that, I was up near the Alliance area, Canton, if you're familiar with that, Sebring, for 10 years. I was playing tennis with the school superintendent, and we got to know each other fairly well. One day, he calls me up, and he says, hey, I need you to come into the office. So I came in. He says, I want you to look over this curriculum for me. I said, okay, what's this about? Well, they want us to institute this curriculum within our school system, and it has to do with family life and how this can help us with teaching them when they get to school. So I looked it over, and I brought it back to him, and I said, are you serious? He goes, what do you mean? The basic premise of that curriculum was whatever the form of government is in your country, that's the form of government you should have in your home. 
How about that? And these people are supposed to be smart, okay? No, I'm serious. That means if it's a maternal rule in your country, then mom rules in the home. If it's a paternal, then dad rules in the home. If it's a democracy, then you get equal vote. And whatever decision is made is made by the majority wins. Now, let me ask you. I'm going to pick on Rick down here just because I know him. Rick, how many children do you have? Three. Guys, would you like that? Democracy? Okay, the, the, the kids are all for this, okay? All right. Mom and dad, what do you think? Uh, not so much, okay? Because three kids by majority can outvote two parents. And I, talk, I said, are you really going to let this be? He says, that's really what it's teaching? I said, absolutely. And he said, I don't care how much money we've paid into this as a pilot program. He put it in the trash can. And that was cool. But there are all kinds of ideas out there as to how we ought to do our home, how we ought to do our government, how we ought to do everything else. But God says, whatever government you're in, realize that God is the one who has established it. Why? Consequences. There are consequences. And he says, there is punishment that can happen, accountability. But it's also for conscience' sake. Punishment. Conscience. Don't you maybe have used this method at times? Or three, two, one. You know what I'm going for, right? If you don't stop that by the time I'm done counting, you're in trouble, kid. You know what really cracks me up? Is when it doesn't work the first time. They think if they yell a little louder the second time, it'll work this time, right? Three. What I liked is I, <laughs> one parent, three, two, one work, wasn't working anymore. So it was, let's start at five. Five, four. <laughs> really? It's kind of like, and if you yell it louder, maybe the next time they'll get it. Really? There needs to be accountability. And if we break the rule, there needs to be punishment. I get that. But in the home, if they know it's coming, that I don't care how loud or how soft you say it, they know it's coming, right? Punishment is following if I get to zero, even if I speak it softly. But there needs to be consistency with that. I just, it's fascinating to me what different people do in order to be able to, to get that done. Conscience sake, he says. We obey the government because we can be held accountable, pay a fine, go to jail, whatever. But then he says, and I believe this is for the Christian, for more than just accountability, and you might get caught, it's for conscience sake. What do you mean, conscience? The two Latin words that make up conscience are the word con and scio, which means with science or knowledge. With knowledge. Now, the world's conscience is going to be different from the Christian's conscience. Because our knowledge base is God, the Word of God. 
And the world's conscience is based on what they've been taught in the home, the schools, and anywhere else that they go. And so conscience can vary. But I believe that he's talking to the believer in Christ, not just because you might get caught and punished, but because of your conscience before God. Got to live with myself. But more than that, I think conscience means someone else might be watching what I do, what I go through, and what they think about God depends on what they see in me. And my conscience then needs to to say, okay, God, you want me to live this way so that someone else will find the true and living God. My conscience extends to more than just me. It extends to what others around me see. Now, are there exceptions? Of course there are. Absolutely, there are exceptions. Romans, just a chapter earlier, says this. If it is possible, as much as lies inside of you, with you, be at peace with all men. What he's saying is sometimes it may not be possible. But as much as is your corner and you can, you be at peace with all men. Now, at times, we need to take a stand for social injustice, for things that are called right when we know they're wrong, for things that we see and people around us and People are fallible. They're sinful. Come on, we need to stand for the right things. But as much as lies within you, be at peace with all men. And then we have this example that comes from Acts in chapter 5, where the, the disciples have been given marching orders. They're told to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Well, now they're called by the Roman government and said, hey, you're not allowed to do this. We're we're telling you, you can't do this anymore. Now they have two commandments, one from God and one from man. Which one are they going to do? God's. And that's what they say. They end up saying it in a way that didn't have to be shouted. But it was determined Whether you think it's right to hearken unto you or unto the Lord, that's for you to decide. But for us, we have to do what God has called us to do. They were beaten, told never to speak in the name of Jesus again. They went on their way rejoicing because they counted themselves worthy to have suffered for Christ. Isn't that awesome? Now, at times... We will need to stand, but we do it respectfully, and we do it in a way that still honors God. Last point this morning. Is there a perfect man or woman among us? No. The only one that was perfect was what? Put on a cross, right? Okay. No profession is perfect and needs to be held accountable. Anybody here work in the medical field? I know Parfait does. One of the elders that's here. And I've been in the medical field, and I've seen, and I've witnessed, and I've... You know, it's funny to me is I've had two back surgeries, shoulder surgery, and and, uh, foot surgery a couple of times, and 
Some people think I need head surgery, but I'm, I'm postponing that one, okay? Um, but I've been in and out of the hospitals quite a bit. Every time it's been something that can be fixed, and I'm good with that. But every time I go in, I go, man, I hope I get the doctor who was at the top of his class. I don't want the guy who barely made it. How about you? Do you want the guy that cheated to get his degree? Certainly not. There are doctors, some of which are better than others. There are anesthetists that are better than others. They just are. So we are. We're people. I think the same thing is true of preachers. Paul had the issue when he was preaching. He said some do it out of envy. Some do it out of they would preach in a crowd and they'd take money for it. He said some do it out of wrong motives, but doggone it, I'm going to do it with right motive. We're going to stop him. We have policemen who hold our society accountable. Most of them are good. Some of them not so. Every profession, you're going to have them. Hold them accountable. Hold your doctor accountable. Hold your preacher accountable. Hold the police accountable. Everyone needs accountability. Wherever you find yourself, do as Christ would have you to do. Because that is so important. And here's the last thing. A person told me a long time ago, he said, you know what? When you come to the cross, realize this. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. The Bible says God has no respecter of persons. He doesn't care what country we were born in. He doesn't care the color of our skin or how smart or not smart we are. He doesn't care about any of that. What he cares about is you were created in his image. His son died for you, and he wants you to be with him for an eternity. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, you need to seriously think about it. It's the only way you change your identity. Give me a, a call, email, one of the leaders here. We'll help you walk through that process of giving your life to Christ. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for this church. That's when times are dark that Christians are supposed to show up, become a bright and shining light, something different than the rest of society. So, Father, help us as your church to do the very best we can to present Christ. Love it. Help us to do our best. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.